0: Welcome to Driving the C-Bus. I'm your host, Scott McComb. I'm chairman and CEO of a little community bank in Columbus, Ohio called Heartland Bank. My travels really expose me to some very interesting people, entrepreneurs that are world-class people in their own right, but run businesses that are up and coming in the 13th largest city in the country, which is Columbus. Each one of them is is also uh, unique in their own way. Their upbringing is different. Their family life might be different. But ultimately, the one thing that holds us all together as entrepreneurs is hard work and dedication and our love of our people. So that's what we try to do here on the podcast is figure out what makes these entrepreneurs tick, what makes these areas of Columbus what they are, and how Columbus really became the place that it is today. Well, welcome to another edition of uh, Driving the Sea Bus. I'm Scott McComb, your host. Um, I'm chairman and CEO of Little Bank in Columbus, Ohio, called Heartland Bank. Um, thanks for joining us today. We have a very special guest, uh, someone that I've gotten to work with uh, quite extensively over the last five years, uh, Mr. Joel Oney. Joel is the uh, he is uh, the vice president of agribusiness lending here at Heartland, and um, and really has grown um a uh this portion of our business very handsomely over the last five years. Um you know, Ohio, uh Ohio's largest industry is agriculture. And uh that's uh, one of the things that uh the bank was actually not focused on over the course of time and uh we needed talent uh to fill that void to help us properly grow in what we thought would be a very uh advantageous area of business and uh that's how we uh Came to seek out and uh, continue to hunt down and find Mr. Oney to Joel uh, and Joel uh, Oni to join our team. Um, Joel comes with us uh, with a, a vast experience. He spent 18 years as uh, a regional vice president for Farm Credit Mid America. Um, and before that, he um, uh, received his bachelor's degree in, in agribusiness from the Ohio State University. He went on to get his master's degree in animal science from the University of Kentucky. Um, then he went on to farm credit for uh, 17, 18 years. Uh, and uh, then we were lucky enough to uh, to ask Joel to join our team at Heartland Bank and grow our agribusiness unit. And so Joel, uh, from November of 2014 to this day, uh, holds that position and has done a very a very yeoman's job he has two daughters and resides here in franklin county uh i think in the gahanna area currently and uh so i'd like you to welcome uh, joel to the program
1: joel welcome thank you scott i really appreciate uh the warm welcome and uh, uh it's been a wonderful time that we've spent here at the bank since you invited me to join the team and We've been fortunate to add uh, lots of experienced, talented members to our agribusiness team. So I'm just just one of many that's uh, created the success for us here at Heartland Bank.
0: Joel, tell me about your family just a little bit. So you have two daughters. Uh, One of them got married recently. Is that right?
1: Yes. One of them did get married recently. And uh, I was honored to actually walk her down the aisle and then preside over the ceremony as well. The uh, Reverend
0: Joel Oney. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Tell me about that. So, you, uh, do you have a regular, you know, preaching podcast or does just, did you just get it to do some weddings or what, what how can we utilize that uh, certification?
1: Well, it was uh, specifically for my daughter's wedding that I became ordained uh, as a minister here in the state of Ohio. And so, uh, um, who knows? I've got one more daughter yet to get married. So, maybe I'll have a chance to use it a second time. There you go. And the church said amen. That's right.
0: <laughs> Well, welcome, Reverend. Um, hey, I want to do uh, – so you – you, you. Uh, one daughter you've got uh, successfully married, your other daughter – I think they both – did they both go to Ohio State? Is that right?
1: No, actually. Uh, one is uh, a cosmetologist with uh, Charles Penzone and Debbie Penzone, and uh, the other – You're doing is,
0: very well, from what I understand.
1: Yes, doing quite well after making a trip to the Columbus College of Art and Design. She uh, went into a uh, cosmetology career, and then uh, my other daughter is a nurse with uh, Mount Carmel, and she's a graduate of Mount Carmel College of Nursing, so oh, I'm very, very proud of both my daughters.
0: Well, good deal. Well, both of them in very profound uh, career paths, too, so um, I know that uh, Charles Penn's own thing, that's, uh, they're not messing around over there. They've, uh, they do a good job and have a wonderful following. It's probably one of the best uh, salons in the nation from what i understand
1: oh yeah the uh, dublin salon where she works was just rated the best salon in the entire country and wow. uh, charles and debbie are really taking that operation to the next level i was in there getting my hair cut and charles penzone came up and looked me right in the eye and he said i'm going to treat your daughter like she's one of my own and that meant a lot to me
0: wow that's awesome what a great
1: place yeah. And then your, your other daughter's at Mount Carmel Health System as a nurse? Yes, yeah, she's an emergency room nurse at uh, the new facility down in Grove City and uh, uh, part of uh, the team that's making that place great.
0: Wow, well, I tell you, it, it
1: hats off to all the emergency people.
0: They deal with a lot of adversity and they never know what uh, kind of curveball they're going to get pitched next, do they?
1: That's right. And that's part of what she likes about it. She, she uh, really likes the challenge of an ever-changing work environment.
0: Well, that's wonderful. It's very rewarding when you see your uh your children be successful in uh, the second third stages of their lives. So, mm-hmm. uh, congratulations to you. Um you know, changing the topic here to a little bit of agribusiness, you know, what what is agribusiness? When people say, "Well, what what's agribusiness?" Is it is it just, you know, do we make loans
1: just on grain or are
0: we or we financing tractors, ground?
1: What is it? Yes, uh, it's a it's a broad spectrum of banking, really. It's not just lending. We provide a full spectrum of financial services for the farmers that we do business with. Uh, and it's not only just farmers uh, that are doing uh, corn, soybeans, and livestock. It's also some of the businesses that support the farmers. And so we're fortunate to have uh, a lot of great farmers in our portfolio, but we also have uh, uh, the businesses such as uh, grain elevators or uh, input providers or processors that uh, do business with the farmers and help the farmers do what they do to provide, you know, food for the growing, uh, uh, you know, world population.
0: Yeah, so drilling down further into just, you know, commercial agriculture, okay, so they, uh, over the course of time, the family farm has kind of metamorphosized into a larger operation of multiple businesses, Mm-hmm. Uh, so right, so farmers are are true entrepreneurs at heart. Tell me a little bit about that structure and and why that 's come to to age
1: yeah you know that's that 's a great observation, Scott you know the majority ninety some percent nearly a hundred percent of American farms are owned by families. Uh, they have evolved though over time they don 't look like they did fifty years ago it doesn 't mean that it 's not still a family business uh doing great things to provide you know a safe abundant uh source of food for for people. Um, we're very fortunate here in the United States that we have such a great agricultural system. The amount of food that we have is abundant. And, uh, uh, you know, the American people, uh, you know, they like a lot of places in the world, they spend the majority of their income on food, not so much here in the United States. We have the uh, abundance of food here, thanks to the American farmer. Uh, our family uh, business is probably a pretty good example of what you're talking about, Scott. I, I grew up on a farm. Uh, my older brother became the farmer in the family, so I had to find something else to do in life, but banking's been a pretty darn good fit. And so uh, uh, my brother runs our family farm operation, which amounts to about 4,000 acres, and they've got about 1,500 head of cattle on the farm. So much larger than what it looked like when my grandfather started it back in the uh, 40s, I guess it was. Um, but still, it's very much our family farm operation. Uh, his son will be the fourth generation on the farm. And that's what a lot of our clients look like, everything from beginning farmers that are just starting that maybe have never farmed before in their lives to multi-generational family farms that have very large, well-established operations.
0: Gotcha. So they, the the facets, though, associated with those family operations I mean they, they almost have, they're like they're they're a mechanic shop they have a trucking component they have inputs um, they are uh, uh, sometimes um, uh, subcontracting subcontracted to harvest uh, for for the friends neighbors uh, colleagues uh, they might rent land and be a landlord and/ or a tenant of of property I mean, there's just all kinds of uh, different wrinkles to the to the whole agricultural picture
1: Uh, that's that's so true uh the american farmer today has to be first and foremost a good businessman but also uh, a scientist and an engineer and uh, be able to manage the technology Uh, much of agriculture is so much more advanced technologically than uh, even uh, many of uh, the other industries that uh, we experience day to day for example um, someone was saying the other day. Said, "Well, wouldn't it be interesting if someday all all the cars just drove themselves?" And uh, I mentioned that for the last several years that most farmers' tractors uh, have auto steer based upon GPS guidance. Now they're out in the middle of a big, wide-open field and not out on a crowded highway, so there's not as quite as many obstacles to dodge if something goes wrong. But most uh, agriculture has uh, precision technology that allows farmers to utilize the seed and fertilizer and resources to uh maximize uh, the productivity off of their soil and uh with the GPS guidance that allows them to do that. Yeah,
0: I tell you that's just fascinating. How how has you know so so that's really what agribusiness is. Why is it important for you know for Ohio and America's farmers uh to deal with people in the financial sector That understand their business and for instance our team at the bank right has every one of them has an agribusiness degree
1: yes and so mm -hmm.
0: tell me tell me why that matters and 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 maybe some examples of uh of expertise that you can you know value you can bring to the to the those clients
1: well that's a good point scott we work closely with uh the ohio state university and uh recruit some really good bench strength through our Uh, intern program but most of even our experienced agribusiness bankers have a a degree in agriculture from Ohio State and uh, maybe even just as important or more important most of them either grew up on a farm or maybe even go to home to a farm every night so they understand the challenges that uh, our farmers face plus you know we're we're out on the farms uh, most of the time you know if you're if you're sitting in one of our corporate centers or our branch offices here in the Columbus area, you're probably not going to find too many farmers. So uh, we are on the road out visiting our farmers to ensure that we have a thorough understanding of their operations. And uh, that's part of that value proposition, Scott. Not only can we bring a little bit of expertise to the table um, because we know their business and uh, have quite a bit of an experience not only in agriculture but in banking on our team, but... Um, but we, we we strive to get to know uh, the farmers out there, uh, the challenges they face, uh, the needs that they have for their operation, and try to provide the financial services that uh, can best match that.
0: You know, what kind of metrics and specific uh, measurements or or things that you know, when you go out now to talk to uh, you know talk to your clients, you know what does what kind of metrics or, or points that you're looking for that you're that you're asking asking those farmers, hey, do you know this? Hey, do you know that? What What are some of those measurements that, that uh, you might ask for that they should be paying attention to?
1: Certainly, yeah. There's a variety of metrics, some of which uh, uh, have been even more important here this spring with some of the adversity that we've seen you know, on a general basis, we're always hoping that our farmers can understand from a financial perspective what their cost of production is. Uh, if they can understand their cost of production, they can then turn around and lock in profitable prices in the commodity markets. Um, that's one thing that I forgot to mention earlier. They, yeah, they've farmers got
0: to, are commodity traders. Uh, too. Yeah,
1: they're also commodity traders. And so uh, uh, they have to know their, their cost of production. And um, you know, we, we uh, like to help our farmers to focus not just on production and size and scale and those kinds of things, facilities, equipment. You know, a lot of times that can draw your attention away from the core of the operation, which is producing a profit. And so we try to help our farmers understand the profitability of their operation. Uh, here this spring, we've had uh, some challenges with uh, extreme weather Uh, You know, excessive rainfall has been a great challenge for the farmers, on top of what was already uh, some challenges due to the tariffs. uh, Some of the commodity prices, especially soybeans and uh, uh, pork, were, uh, you know, depressed due to the um, tariffs. And so... Uh, you You lay on top of that excessive rainfall, and so we uh, we 've had a lot of conversations with our farmers how are you, how how are we going to navigate this together has been kind of the tone of the conversation, and most importantly, helping them to understand not only their crop insurance policies but uh special provisions that have been laid down by the u s d a to help farmers to weather this storm and uh so uh, uh again uh, th- those are the things that we we chat with our farmers about when we're out, and uh, uh, we have uh, some excellent conversations. They value our opinions, and we, we value them. Mo- most of our farmers are, like I say, pretty talented, special people to be able to operate the operations that they have.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and so the rainfall piece, now we are in, uh, uh, this is uh, July that we're talking, okay, just to date the uh, podcast. We're in July uh, of 2019. We had one of the wettest springs on record uh, in the Midwest. Um, tell me about uh, uh, that process uh, you know about how we go about helping uh you know our uh, the clients your your clients and the farmers uh, uh deal with that and then what 's the process you know with crop insurance they they we 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 strongly recommend they have crop insurance and it 's just for this kind kind of situation
1: yes, crop insurance is almost a must in today 's agriculture, and uh most farmers have it all all the farmers that we do business with have crop insurance. And uh, this year, uh, the largest provision within that crop insurance program that uh, the farmers are taking advantage of is the prevented planting provision, which basically, uh, if you're unable to get your ground planted completely just due to the excessive rainfall, which there's been thousands of acres in Ohio that uh, are you know, not planted this year and will, will not be planted this year, uh, it provides a payment to the farmer to cover... Uh, some of their expenses, uh, including rents and uh, weed control and those kinds of things while the land is sitting idle. Because if they're renting that ground, uh, that landlord still is going to want their rent, right? whether or not they put a crop in there or not. So the preventive planting provision is, is an excellent provision within the crop insurance. And then there's also a replant provision. So if a farmer planted a crop and then it was drowned out, you know, a lot of farmers received five, eight, 10 inches of rain in a short period of time on their farms. And so if they had crops in the ground, they they, they drowned and they, they were destroyed. And so once it dried up, they had to come back in and replant a lot of those crops. And uh, the crop insurance will provide for a, additional inputs in order to buy seed, fertilizer, those kinds of things to put the, uh, the new crop out. So uh, those are the two big components of the crop insurance that uh, are heavily utilized this year that maybe farmers were not as familiar with because thankfully they hadn't had to use those quite so much in the past. So we've been working with them and their agents to help navigate those uh, those policies.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, well, this, uh, thank goodness they have that kind of coverage, though. You know, I imagine uh, a lot of them are, are getting used to understand what that provision's about and, uh, and are, are utilizing the tool for what it is, right? Yeah, uh, that's what it's there for. Um, you know, just like uh, any other kind of protections, you know, you want to be able to do all you can do to protect your your uh your business from any kind of peril that you cannot control and that's uh that's one of them. You know the other thing you mentioned is uh, tariffs as you know the uh you know the the uh administration, current administration, the Trump administration has been um taking on some uh skeletons in the closet that have been around for quite some time uh, in uh, in dealing with China, you know the North America uh, trade agreement, as far as you know NAFTA, rewriting NAFTA, and also the relationship with Europe, and so that creates. Uh, yeah, we are kind of turning the tables over, if you will, and kind of resetting things for the future of America's economy. Um, yeah, tell me about the the tariff impact to the uh, to the agricultural community here in Ohio, and maybe you know kind of what are the farmers feeling about the president. Uh, taking the actions that he's taking. Uh,
1: Yes, I think that's a a really big topic in in rural America. And and to your point, uh, years ago when China's economy was a trillion dollars, it wasn't as big a thing as what it is today when China's economy is, what, 13 or 14 trillion dollars. Those trade policies are much more impactful. And so uh, most farmers are glad to see Uh, that uh, the administration is taking on uh, on some of the foreign powers that aren't maybe playing by the rules that we would like to see them play by. Um, However, at the same time, uh, it is, uh, you know, a little bit of short-term pain for some long-term gain, and I think that's what most farmers believe. Most farmers would like to see it resolved quickly, Um, you know, 30% of the soybeans produced here in the United States go to China, or at least they used to go to China. Uh, Now, I was reading an article this morning how we are finding new markets for those soybeans, and uh, – You know, it is a world economy, so there's only so many soybeans out there. So if somebody else's soybeans go to China, our soybeans will go someplace else. But there's been some transition period in here where uh, especially soybean farmers have uh, been hurt. The other other, uh, big export that goes to China is pork. And uh, so a combination of uh, the tariffs on both pork and soybeans have probably – hurt the American farmer the most. So while the American farmers, I believe, see the need for uh, some trade reform, uh, they're anxious to see it come to an end as well.
0: Yeah, understood. You know, there was an article in the Columbus Dispatch about a uh, soybean farmer in northern Ohio uh, who just vehemently disagreed with all the policies of the current administration and that it was just killing him. That's what he kind of said. It's killing his farm, a uh, very large soybean farmer. Um you know, and, uh, although the article is very well written, very well, excuse me, very well written. And, uh, and I can, I can uh, empathize with the farmer, you know, you really got to go back and say, do you want it to, I mean, if you plan on changing your environment and changing the future, that doesn't come with just no pain. You know I mean? There's gotta be a little short-term pain for long-term gain. And, uh, and, you know, we have to reel in some of these other economies that have been taking advantage, frankly, of America for many years. That's my own personal opinion. What, what? You're out there in the farm field with these folks. What do they think?
1: Well, uh, I think a good example is my own father, who's a very wise businessman and experienced farmer. He, You know, he's told me right along, you know, any big win in life comes with a little bit of short-term pain. And I think that's probably um, – what we need to keep in perspective is that uh, this will be resolved and uh, but in the meantime, the pain for the American farmer it, it is real, and so we don't want to um, not uh, you know underscore that, but uh, it's something that uh, again, most of rural America is uh, is behind
0: yeah and and I mean not and we'll get off the political bandwagon here, but i I just I just think that to never even address it just puts you back into the same boat that we've been in forever that the the threat continues to grow and uh so i applaud the administration for having you know uh the 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 gumption to take it on you know a lot like uh, many other things that they've taken on Then. You know, a lot of politicians in the past would not take on. So, uh, mm-hmm. it may not be popular on a short term basis, but uh, long term, if they can get things done like they did with, uh, uh, Mexico and Canada, right? Uh, Definitely. we're still waiting for Congress to, to kind of get off their duff and legislate, but, uh, that'll, that'll happen soon enough. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that's a, been a great thing for, for the economy, I think, and for the relationship between Canada and, and, uh, and Mexico. Um, well, moving on from the, from that point, uh, Tell me about uh, you know, how you've grown your team there, um, in the agribusiness division. Uh I mean when we when we brought you on board, we uh we we uh uh kind of stayed on you. We knew you were our guy, we needed you to convince that you were our guy and uh and, and that happened. But then you joined a team and um and and we uh then started to build a team. Tell me about how you built out your team and then maybe some of the qualities you look for and those agribusiness bankers and support staff that make up uh, your group.
1: It's funny, Scott. You've alluded to a couple times how uh, you stayed after me until I took you up on your invitation to join the team. But uh, you may recall that uh, when – you were successful in recruiting me, I, I said, you, you really had me when you started talking about Ohio State tailgating. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, we do
0: have a, we have a pretty good tailgate. So if anybody wants to come, bring it. It's right on the West uh, west State or East Stadium lot, uh, right by the steps. So uh, when you see the Heartland Bank
1: tents. Yeah, bring well, it. still one of my best decisions of all time was uh, being a part of something great here at Heartland Bank. But uh, we've been Really fortunate to recruit a few good people to the team. One we recruited from the commercial division within the bank, uh, and then the rest have been uh, additions from outside of the bank. Uh, Brian Fracker, a very experienced commercial banker who also has a farm, wanted to give uh, this agribusiness banking thing a try. And uh, uh, with that uh, those rural roots and agribusiness background, plus uh, that, that excellent banking acumen, Um, Not only do we have to understand agriculture, we have to understand banking and be good advisors to our clients when it comes to the analysis of their credit situation. And so Brian had those skill sets. And then right after that, we were able to recruit three additional uh, experienced agribusiness bankers with 10-plus years of experience, not only with agricultural backgrounds, but also uh, that really deep credit knowledge able to talk with farmers about uh, their operations, the profitability, the metrics of their balance sheet and so forth. Um, So we've been very fortunate in that. Bennett Musselman is one of the external recruits that comes to mind that uh, really has brought a lot to our team uh, from an expertise standpoint and a leadership standpoint. Uh, Bennett's involved with a variety of uh, networks across the state, including the Farm Bureau. And so uh, we're very appreciative to have someone of his quality on our team. Uh, and then uh, we've uh, had a pretty robust internship program where we've invited people from the agribusiness group, uh, a club, I should say, at Ohio State to join uh, the team for a summer. And it gives us a chance to uh, uh, talk with them and get to know them and learn about them and gives them a chance to learn about banking, what a career in banking might look like. And we've been fortunate uh, to have uh, uh, several of them now uh, take on some additional employment with the bank. Two of them are now uh, full-time uh, with our team so by uh, you know recruiting from Ohio State we've been able to build a bench strength for our team and that's uh, a very important uh, you know combination of experienced people as well as uh, the youth that can come on and and really uh, push us to new levels. Well,
0: I tell you that's uh, that's great you know you win with people right? I mean, that's, there's no... There's no doubt about there's that, no, uh, yeah, There's no uh, remedy better than uh, quality people on a team that can be agile and take their experience and provide value uh, for clients. Uh, one of the things that we, that we are doing and that you are doing with your team is supporting the Dean's uh, Charity Steer Show, which is coming <laughs> up, right, at the Ohio State Fair. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that. And uh, Dean Kress with uh, the Ohio State University... Uh, um uh, uh she has a, a pretty long title here with the uh, uh with the college the cfaes what is that
1: yeah, it's the college of food ag and environmental sciences at ohio state and we're very fortunate to have a great relationship with ohio state uh, uh not only with dean crest but uh several people there um uh, including uh, the 4-H Foundation, which is a part of the extension office. And, uh,
0: and you're a member of their board of directors, is that right?
1: That's correct. Uh, following in the footsteps of you and your father uh, in our support of Ohio 4-H. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dean Cress is doing a uh, charity event that is going to be a steer show with a variety of local celebrities uh, showing steers at the Ohio State Fair. And, uh we're fortunate enough to be sponsoring Dean Cress's steer, so uh, it should be a fun time, but also uh, a time where we can raise some funds for a really good cause. we We're Our team's really involved with the Ohio State Fair. We uh, volunteer and flip ribeyes at the Ohio Cattlemen's Association booth, and uh, we, we enjoy that. It's a team-building experience as much as anything, and then... Uh, Uh, We'll also be there for a couple other events that are great networking events. Uh, The Ohio State Fair is an opportunity for all the people of Ohio agriculture to come together and network and uh, spend some quality time together. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, our relationship with Ohio State University is um, paramount in what we do.
0: Now, you know, uh, we said before that agriculture is one of Ohio's biggest businesses. Um, You know, the... The Ohio State University was founded as a military and agricultural college, mm-hmm. um, right? So that's correct, and uh, that and really that was to help to defend the country and uh, provide cadets and such to go on to the other uh, armed forces and, and become officers in those armed forces and defend freedom and the interests of America on the global scale, as well as. Uh, put food on the table for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of programs. Tell tell me about some of the programs that are at Ohio State that are uh, changing the way that farmers all across the nation uh, provide services and provide uh, food for the world.
1: Yes, within uh, the College of Food, Ag, and Environmental Sciences, there's a a whole variety of, of programs that uh, people that are interested in agriculture or touching agriculture can study, uh, research, and influence the way food is produced here in Ohio and around the world. Um, Ag engineering, for example. um, uh, Food sciences, how food is processed and uh, brought to the table. Um, Animal sciences, how do we best care for these animals? Um, You know, there's... uh, Been a renewed focus, I would say, in the last ten years, on how we best care for our animals that are part of our production agriculture system, and uh, and and we all believe that's a good thing; it's the right thing to do. Um, You know how how do you produce more with less? You know, you think about the world is going to need roughly double the food supply that we have today by the year 2050, and that's a tall task. You think about. All of mankind's uh, and humankind's accomplishments in agriculture throughout the millennia, we have to double those accomplishments in the next 30-plus years in order to feed uh, a growing hung- hungry population. And uh, the the work that American farmers do to produce more on the same acreage, to produce more milk from the same cows, more eggs from the same chickens, uh, and to do that in a manner that's safe, healthy, humane, affordable, all those things, that's really what the College of Agriculture is doing at Ohio State. It's helping farmers to accomplish that larger mission.
0: Wow. That's a pretty tall order. You know, so next time, folks, when you go to the grocery store and you go to pick up that uh, T-bone steak or a can of peas or uh, maybe a fresh ear of corn – Take a moment and just reflect on the fact that that didn't get there by accident. It takes a lot of hard work, dedication of people that are willing to take the risk of agriculture, work hard in the fields for generations on end, uh, and uh, and bring those products to market so that we can just simply walk to the grocery store, pick up our stuff, go back and, and continue watching whatever binge... Uh, you know, thing on Netflix you're watching, you know. So just think about it. It's not that easy that we – uh, and, and, you know, only in America. So when uh, those that want to talk about, you know, while it's not that great in America, I would encourage you to travel abroad and take a look at what else is out there because, frankly, we have the safest, most plentiful uh, food production system on the planet. And uh, and that's uh, – there. I don't think anybody can argue with that.
1: Uh, Joel, it's been great having you
0: on. Any final thoughts, questions for me? Anything else you'd want to bring up?
1: I don't believe so, Scott. I think that uh, uh, that being a part of the agricultural business is exciting. Um, You know, people might not think, oh, there's not much glamour involved with farming, you know, not much glamour involved with agriculture. But I tell you, when you look at what these American farmers are doing to provide food uh, to provide products that people need in an abundant way. Uh, you know, it's humbling, too. It's exciting but humbling. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Every time we go to the grocery store, pick up that, you know, fresh head of lettuce or some fresh produce or, or products there and only have to spend a small portion of what we make on that, Um yeah, you know, we have to counter blessings and remember how fortunate we are to have such great farmers here in the United States. That's
0: right. Well, and thank you, Joel, for being on the program, uh, and specifically for for joining the Heartland team and helping us take the value proposition that we provide every day for everyone that walks through our doors uh, in this space. Um, you know, like you said before, the challenge for agriculture, um, for humanity, is pretty significant we need to provide safe food um, uh, you know we need to figure out how we are uh, gonna double that by 2050 um, and you know I may not be around to see that but at the same time uh, uh, 2050 is not that far off when you think about it and uh, so our kids are definitely going to see that and um, it what a what a great badge of honor to have uh, played a part and help development and working with the the, uh, the college, uh, the Ohio State and their agricultural groups there of uh, trying to make agriculture a better thing. So appreciate your service to Ohio 4-H, serving on uh, on uh, their uh, foundation board <clears throat> and all the great things that uh, you and your group are doing out in the agricultural community here in the great state of Ohio. And Joel, I just want to thank you for uh, being on the program and driving the bus. Thank you, Scott.